this is this is this is this this is hidden gem. This is hidden gem. This is hidden gem. Welcome back, everybody. Peace, man. What's happening? Good, man. How are you? What's up, too, man? It's cooler, man. Just get out this session, man. I had to run back here so I can get up with you and make this happen. All right, all right. I'm here now. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Got a good connection too. Say it again, family. So you got you got that good connection tonight too. Oh, that's yeah. I try to you know stay close to the Wi-Fi. That's why I didn't want a chance. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I ain't want to do it where I was at. Then the joint might not work. You know what I'm saying? Let me go home where I know the joint work at. You know what I mean? In my laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, man. We, we got people up in here, man. Um, shout out to everybody here watching this uh, session tonight. Yeah, no, um, yeah, yeah, this is Gems episode 22, man. We got my man, Lord Beta, here tonight repping. So, Lord really Beta, in the building. Yes, sir. We're going to go into the beginnings, uh, start from the beginning, work our way up, just like we always do, man. Um, right, so, good. let's get this started, man. Um, where, where does hip-hop begin for, for you, man? Well, you know... um. You know, even before hip hop, you know, what I mean, it started with music for me. You know, I come from, I come up from a musical family. You know, my father is a musician. You know, what I mean, uh, my mother, she, you know, she's a songbird, and uh, I kind of grew up, you know, in that element. You know, my father always had bands. My mother used to sing in nightclubs to pay rent, so I always grew up around that. You know, I didn't really get introduced to hip hop till I was probably about seven or something like that. And I was, you know, on the playground, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to my brother, Sean T, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he uh, he really, you know, put me on and uh, introduced me to what rap was really all about. Because the household that I grew up in, it was more so R&B, funk, soul, and jazz. They weren't playing hip-hop, <laughs> you know, in the house yeah. during that time. You know, that was something that was just with the youth. So, you know, with my uh, my peers, you know, they put me on and... um. You know, I fell in love with it off the break, man. You know what I'm saying? I get introduced to it, like, on Monday. By that Friday, we were rapping for show and tell in third grade. You know what I mean? We didn't bring toys. We brought some bars. <laughs> we brought some beatboxes to, to to the youth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Even though we was to the youth at the time. So that's where it started for me, man, was in third grade, man. Just, just a love for it. So, you know, with it starting right there at such a young age, it's always been second nature to me, you know what I mean? Because I feel like, you know, rap and hip-hop has just always been there. I never really looked at it as an external thing. It's just something that's always been dear to my heart, I guess because I started so young. So so when did it start to get a little bit more serious for you uh, coming up, man? Was it high school or a little bit after that? Like I said, it's always, you know, it, it, it's always been there for me. So I went through the phases of rap. You know, it started off freestyling and beatboxing. And then, you know, you start to dig a little deeper, you want to do a little more. Like, you know, my era in hip-hop, you know, the, the running man era was real big. So, you know, you start off in third grade, you rapping and you beatboxing. By the time you get to fourth and fifth grade, you know, I was real a big fan of Big Daddy Kane. So, like, mm -hmm. Scoop Scrap Lover, you know, we fell in love with them. So it's like, you know, we rapping, but, you know, we like the running man. We think that's cool, too. So now we're working on our own dance routines. So, you know... It was even a, a minute where instead of rapping for show and tell, now we dancing for show and tell. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
if the teacher give us some breaks or you know they want the class to calm down and they want to get you know some people in order or whatever you know if y'all don't act right we're not gonna let Wilson and Sean dance. You know what I'm saying? So it was a, I know a big you can minute. Dance too, man. I know you can dance. Oh yeah, you know, we, yeah your, we get busy, man. <laughs> I saw your Velvet the Bell video, man. You were killing hey, it, bro. Shout out to my lady for making that happen, man. Because you know she was the one that was actually able to get me up on stage for that, for that whole little, you know, you know, little spiel or whatever. But when I was up there with BBD, man, it straight took me back to like seventh and eighth grade dances. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. When all that stuff was out, like it was, yeah, it was, it was real. It was surreal, man, to be up there with them to make something like that happen. Cause it's almost like, almost like it came full circle. You know, you live and you dream about these dudes, and now here it is, you're on stage with them, getting busy, and you just I having never fun. Seen you smile so hard, man. You were all smiles that night, bro. Oh, man. <laughs> bro. It was like a dream come true, man. Cause I yep, remember yep. all the dances that. I wasn't able to make because I was an in-school suspension. <laughs> I was something like a knucklehead when I was young, you know what I mean? And people wouldn't, you know, you get in trouble, then you get in time out. And then, you know, they take those, you know, they take those moments away from you. So I couldn't yep. get none of those moments back that were taken away. But being up there on stage with them as a fan, it made up for all those moments, man. Like, that, sad, that was cool, bro. So, yeah, you know, it was different phases of the rap, man. You know, it started off the MCing, beatboxing. It went on into the dancing, you know. You know, breakdancing was there too, but you know, it, it kind of was. If I was five years older, I probably would have been hardcore into breakdancing. But because mm -hmm. I wasn't five years older than what I am, you know, the running man era was big to us. So, you know, we, you know, we worked out on that. And then when it really got to, um, I started recognizing myself as a legit MC, is when I seen other people were trying to rap who were just starting out, but weren't necessarily on the level that I was on because I had been doing it for so long. So I was like, now I got some people that I can, you know, swing my sword with. And that's when, you know, started really trying to <laughs> let people know what their level was versus my own. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. that's when, you know, the MCing thing really started taking hold when other people really started trying to do it too. Because for me, it was always just like a second nature thing. I didn't really think that deep on it. It's just something that we're doing because we enjoy it. You know what I mean? So you, uh, you said in high school, like you kind of like were like a little knucklehead and everything, I guess, uh, did you have like mentors kind of like help shape you or like, you know, your mindset in the rap game kind um, of coming like, in, coming into the scene? In high school, nobody was really rapping like that. You know what I mean? Where I was going to high school at, you know, shout out to okay. the Chargers. I went to Chantilly High School and there was a couple of folks that was out there rapping, but nobody was really, you know, rhyming for real. So, you know, we would get together with the dudes that I messed with and we would rap amongst ourselves and they weren't really like MCs, but they came up in the same era so they could throw some bars out there here and again. But, you know, it wasn't really, I think maybe when I went away to, to college and I went to VCU down in Richmond is when I really felt, you know, met some people that were actually like rhyming for real. That was actually mm -hmm. on the level where I could look up to and be like, you know, these dudes are on point. And at the same time, you know, growing up, you know, even before high school, I had some folks that I really looked up to that I felt that were nice. You know, when people ask, who do you like when it comes to rap? It's not really like people who are already famous that have made it that I personally look up to. It's the people that I grew up around that I actually look up to that really like put me on. And it's like, you know, the first dude that I really kind of, that I, you know, I thought was like nice and, you know, had that, that aura that shine about him. You know, some people either you got it or you don't. He's one of the dudes that really had it. Was my man, El Papio, Eric Kenny. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
he was that dude like remember the chub rock record just the two of us just the yeah. two of us yeah, I, I, yo, still to this day i don't know the lyrics to that hook you know what i'm saying <laughs> i don't know what cuz is saying on the hook of that record <laughs> but back when that song came out my man l pop you know what i'm saying like he he knew the joke line for line and it was like you know he didn't have no internet back then you know what i'm saying all you had was like a tape deck and maybe a record player or you know what i mean you could record it off the radio and play it to yourself to memorize it. But it's like while the song was actually out in rotation, he knew all the words to it. Same thing with like when the Red Man the What album came out. You know what I'm saying? Like he was like he just he just knew that. You know, he just knew it. So I was like, yo, this dude is, you know, he's the truth. You know, he's legit. So he's always somebody I looked up to. You know, Sean T was somebody I always looked up to because they introduced me to it. Uh my man Red Mud, he's like one of my favorite, you know, artists, one of my favorite MCs is out there. And these are all dudes that are all from the same area out in Warrenson. You know, shout out Turnbull, you know, 4th Street, Haytow, the whole mob. You know what I'm saying? And um, these are dudes that, you know, I always looked up to in the beginning. By the time I get to college, you know, I formed a team called Legacy. You know, Legacy Supreme. You know, shout out Fidel. Fidel, so better God. Fidel, ooh, so better God. So shout out Usain. Shout out Fidel Castro. Shout out Godson, a.k.a. Nameless. Shout out my Mike Tun Caruso. You know, shout out the whole Legacy fam. You know what I'm saying? And um, adjacent to Legacy fam, you had the tribe of Judah. And they were real big, you know, down in Richmond at the time. And they put me on to a lot, you know, as far as information. As far as, you know what I'm saying, how I go about spitting about what I spit about. You know, massive shout out to the tribe of Judah and all the Nuwabians out there. And, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they, they, you know, they, they, as far as people I look up to is them, you know what I'm saying? Like they the ones who really cultivated what El Better is all about. You know what I'm saying? Man, that's, you got some knowledge right there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you, going, going, in, going into like your, your lyricism, um, do you feel like your, your, your style has evolved over, over the years and how so? Oh yeah, of course. You mm -hmm. know, you know, I go by Lord Better. And people think that, uh, you know, on a lower level, if you hear me referring to myself as better, you might look at it as or think of it as, oh, I'm saying that I'm better than what you are. And that's small. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not really thinking about nobody else like talking about. Better is about me trying to be better than what I previously have done. So it's not, you know what I'm saying? Like better is like a hikes that I'm trying to reach to. It's not necessarily what I am. It's what I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be better than what I've been. So, you know, I'm always trying to get nicer than the previous. And I've always been, you know, hip on, you know, trying to keep things right. You know what I mean? Right and exact and, and just get nicer than what you were the last time. You know what I mean? Because if you're not evolving, you know, you're, you're not really growing. You're just existing. You're not living for real. So if you don't have any room for growth, you don't have any room to elevate, then, you know, you might as well go ahead, you know, just cut it off, kill yourself or something, man. You know what I'm saying? For lack of a better term, throwing the towel. Yeah. What were some of the um like coming up? What what were some of the the I guess like the the places that really like were around that you were part of coming up? Like a lot of sessions, like events. Was there anything back in the day that you were like attending in VCU, seeing in DC? Hey, um, um, like the commons area in VCU was like a melting pot for anybody who wanted to rap. They had a club down there too called Boss. It was like yep, 
Yeah, yeah, boss was ill. It was a little seedy spot, but you know, we we had you know we had some we had some fun out there. But on the commons and VCU, like in between like the campuses, it was like a war ground. You know what I'm saying? As far as with MCs, you know what I mean? Like you know, we would come together. Everybody trying to see you know who's nice, who's nice versus who isn't. And you know, I would go out there and try to show out a little bit. You know, get busy or whatever. It was one. It was one big battle that they had in the actual commons. And like one of the ballrooms they had in the commons. And Mad Skills was actually hosting this battle. And it was 50 MCs. And out of the, the 50 MCs, it was three left. I was one out of three. But the three that were left was everybody from my team. And it was, you know, who? You know, Anonymous from Tribe of Judah. And my Mike Twin Caruso out of Legacy Fam. And then they had some money up, you know what I mean, for the prize of who won. Like, I was in the final three. At a 50 MCs, I'm in the final three. And me and Anonymous, we got to go against each other. And it was like, you know, we just uh, we just kind of performed. We didn't really battle each other. We just kind of performed or whatever. And it was time, you know, it was back in the day when, you know, if, if you were battling or something, the crowd would pick. So based off of crowd participation, that's who won or whatever. And, you know, he, you know, Chad, you know, Anonymous, he's from Richmond. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, he got more love than what I got. And I wasn't mad at it because I know we was all crew. And then him and Caruso, you know, they went against each other. And they pretty much just showed because, you know, with, with Anonymous, we had our own group anyway. So you had Legacy and you had Tribe of Judah. Now, two to three members out of Legacy and two to three members out of Tribe of Judah came together and formed the Five Deadly Venoms. You know what I'm saying? So Chad was one of the five, you know, Anonymous was one of the Five Deadly Venoms. True Ben, he was one of the Five Deadly Venoms. You know, I was a centipede out of the Five Deadly Venoms. Uh, Fidel Castro, he was a snake. And uh hey, Caruso, Scorpion. <laughs> Scorpion out 5 DV. Yo, that so is sick. Like, yeah, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? So it, we was all, you know, we was all a team. So we took the prize money, you know, you know, got 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 a bag, a couple of brews, took it back to the room, and kept the cipher going. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that that battle scene was pretty cool. You know, it was it was it was different. Now we talking around this time, we talking 1997, 98, or something like that. And uh, I feel the battle scene was a little different back then than how it turned, I guess, after 8 Mile or whatever. <laughs> like, I thought things were a little different then versus yeah. how they were. And it seemed like, you know, back then when you came to the battle, you came through uh, really just, um, you come to the battle really showcasing your talent. It wasn't really about the other person. It was about how nice you were individually as an MC and how well you could hold your own. And that's all, you know, that's the only level I was ever at. Because I don't study dudes like talking about. I don't study other folks. I'm just studying my own craft. So I would mm. get out there and I would rock. You know what I'm saying? And I do my thing. And people liked it. You know what I mean? So I would keep it moving after that. So, you know, and it wasn't like until I saw 8 Mile, I was like, okay. People really studying the other the other person <laughs> like talking about as opposed to projecting themselves. So, you know, I thought it was a little different. You know what I mean? But, you know, that was that was a cool scene at the time. Oh man. Um I guess since we're talking about crews, man, um another big crew that you that you rep, I guess now right now is uh Bad Human Art House. So oh, really? how, how did that how did how did that whole uh, connection start with that and, and what's your involvement and what is what what is what does it represent? My bad. The whole thing started, um Bad Human Art House is the label, you know what I mean? That's and it's an art house. It's a collective like clubhouse, we can come together and collectively do art the way we see fit. 
Now, it started with the relationship I had with Theory, which is, you know, I made mean, a top-notch producer. The relationship I had with Theory starts with beat conductors. The relationship I had with beat conductors starts with DJ Olo. Shout out DJ Olo. That's, that's my brother right there, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Olo is, he's been a strong uh, a part of, like, when nobody else believed him better, Olo did. You know what I'm saying? So we always, you know, send kites out. Be like, you know what I'm saying? Yo, better, you know what I'm saying? We got to make something happen. We got to make something pop. Like, we always, you know, relied on one another. You know what I'm saying? And he always uh, lifted me up. You know what I mean? When other people couldn't see how nice I was, he would always recognize it. So, you know, better start a beat conductors. You know, beat conductors is a hub for DMV producers, you know, DJs and producers. You know, it's where like minds, you know, chop it up and where the DJs and producers mix it down. So Theory became a part of that cipher. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it was probably 2012. It's probably 2012. We were trying to find out who the top-notch beat conductor was going to be. I've always hosted the events, you know what I mean? Especially when they first started. I always emceed and hosted everything with beat conductors. And this is uh, 2012. We were trying to find our lead beat conductor. And at this actual event, Owen and I performed. Now, DJ Olo and I have a group referred to as Bolo. When you put that B in front of Olo, you got Bolo Young. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you know who Bolo Young is, man. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Anybody who watched the Bruce Lee movie, anybody who watched a movie with Unk, you know what I'm saying, know who Bolo is. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, it's only right, you know what I'm saying, that, you know, it, it just sounded right. You know, Bolo. You know what I mean? So Bolo Young is our group. And we actually performed that night. We did a couple records off um, The Return of Thoreau. We did some classic records that he and I have together. But we rocked that night for what it was worth. You know what I mean? And in theory, you know, I didn't know theory that well at the time. But now, in retrospect, knowing him now, I understand what his words meant. And theory pulled me aside. He was like, you know what? You're dope. He was like, and you were, oh, you guys are dope together. You know, you're dope. Now, if theory tells you that you're dope, <laughs> that's like saying, bruh, you fucking nice as a motherfucker. Like, yo, you, you a nice, yo, you sharp as shit. I'm impressed with what you're doing. I want to work with you. And, you know, let's make this happen. Because what he's saying is, I'm dope. And because I'm dope, you know what I'm saying, I know what is dope. So him telling me I dope, I'm dope, coming from him, that means a whole lot, right? <laughs> Didn't know at the time, you know what I'm saying? But now, you know, knowing theory, I get it now. So respect the theory. Peace, brethren. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, he held me down. So all the strength for that, you know, maybe a year or two later, uh, not even that long, you know, me and Theory started hit, hooking up and, you know, laying some stuff down. You know, we were working. You know, he liked what I was doing. I liked what he had to offer. And, um, you know, we were making some music together. And then, you know, something happened along the way, and we kind of, you know, man, this is ourselves. Yes, you know, stuff goes on. You know, when you're an artist, you got stuff going on in your life, you got to take care of that first. So things like that were taking place. And we kind of had to take care of home first before we can collectively come back together. So I think in the midst of all of that, Theory of Dimes had reconnected because they're a group. You know, shout out to ARK. You know what I'm saying? That's uh, Grizzly. You know, No Yeek the Grizzly Bear. That's Dimensions. And that's Theory. Three of them collectively have a group called ARK, formerly known as The Package. And they the truth. You know, they legit. So um, Dimes and Theory had gotten back together not gotten back together, they, you know, reconnected or whatever, and they were just going over some stuff. And I think as the story goes, 
they were watching something on television. It might have been Discovery or something like that. And uh, they were talking about, you know, some, you know, you know how Discovery is. You see some wild stuff. You know what I mean? It's savage every now and again. It might be civilized, might be savage. But I think what they were particularly watching at the time was something particularly savage. And then uh, they made a comment. Somebody made a comment talking about, well, you know, those are uh, some bad humans right there. And then Don, Dimensions was like, you know, that that should be a, a strong name for a label, you know, bad humans. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that that, that, that that's cool right there. That so, you know, tough. they start up the LLC, you know, bad human. You know, I developed, I, you know, I create the logo for them, you know what I'm saying? And uh, do a lot of the, the graphic design work for them. But, um, you know, it kind of went from there. So while they were in the process of starting this label, they wanted to create an album that really showcased what the team was all about. And that's how Rye Bread came together. Respect your elder brethren. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Rye Bread is an acronym, you know, short for Respect Your Elder Brethren. And Rye Bread is a collective of all the top-notch DMV artists that are around that are still active. Or not even, and some of them weren't even active anymore. But they decided to put a 16 together just for the project. So Rye Bread, I think at this point, it's probably like maybe 70 to 90 MCs recorded. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And like, and the way the way the dynamic is set up is that every MC can only dedicate like one verse per song, but you can be on as many hooks as you want, but you only submit at least one verse. So you figure, you know, what I mean, seventy individual, you know, seventy or ninety individual MCs all in the area collectively coming together just to be a part of this project. And the songs are cool because a lot of times, you know, we might not be in the same room at the same time recording. You might just go in, lay down a verse, and then several months later, you hear it with some other heavyweighters that you never even imagined to be on a record with, and now you yeah. all have a song together, which is cool. You know what I'm saying? That anybody even came together just off the respect of it. to just So everybody that submitted something to Rob Bread or Bad Human House, much love and respect to you all. It's way too many names to try to list everybody. You know what I mean? Just the number alone can let you know how many folks is actually on the joint. But, um, you know, so you know, to to ask to answer your question, how did Bad Human Art House come together? You know, my position in Bad Human Art House came together off the strength of such. You know, I hooked up with Theory. Me and Theory had to connect. We was making that junk work. And then, you know, Dan started the whole Rob Bread project through Bad Human and he was reaching out to artists to get on. And so at first I didn't understand what was really going on. But I went through and I hollered at him, and I'm thinking, like, because I had verses on deck. I was ready just to unload, you know what I mean? Because I wasn't really recording anything at the time. And he's like, nah, nah, you know, you can only put, you know, one verse down. But you can be on, you know, any hook that you want. I'm like, yeah, what are you talking about, bro? Like, I got verses, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Let's get busy. He's like, nah, better, nah, better. So, you know, I'm a team player, you know what I'm saying? So I kind of fell back, played my position to understand fully what was going on. And I... You know, I worked myself in on as many songs as I could, whether it was ad-libs, choruses, hooks. You know, I got my one verse out the way, and then I didn't like how that song came together. So I was like, you know what, I like my verse on there, but I ain't really feeling the song because it's too much about it that's not making sense to me. And, you know, I want to be showcased a little better than that. Can you give me the opportunity to be on something else? So they presented me something. It was like, all right, let's see what you got. If you could bring the dope, 
You know what I'm saying? You can go ahead, you know, give us what you got. If not, you know, you stuck with what you have. So I had to come through with that shit. You know what I'm saying? So I came through and, you know, they was able to take my verse off the other joint, which was dope. Don't get me wrong. I just didn't like how the song came together. And then I was happy with what it actually did have, and that was on volume one, a song called Never. I'm actually on the hook, and I got a verse on there. And then, you know, that shit was dope, man. You know what I mean? I thought, and I was on Rob Bread Volume 1. So anybody out there listening, make sure you check that shit out. You know what I mean? It's in rotation. There's a lot of dope songs on there. Some of your favorite people from, you know, Washington Metropolis is on this project. And it's worth the checkout. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I got up with, with you know, Bad Human Our House all together. Started off with my relationship with Theory. And then Theory has his fam. I worked myself into that fam. They all love me. We all love each other. I brought some people into it. And then, it, you know, it grows from there. Because it started off with the ARK, then better work this way in there. I became a part of that group, more or less. I brought my man Beneficial with me. They like Beneficial because he dope. He got beats and he got some bars as well. And it's just a good mix. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, you know, Beneficial got some, some head bop shit. You know, Theory shit is a little more musical and melodic. We got good balance with everybody else. You know, me and Dimes, we got good chemistry with each other. Collectively, the whole group is called Meridian, but it's offsets within the group. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, Grizz and Ben, they got their own little pocket going. Me and Dimes, you know, we got our own little pocket growing. You know, he he's from Riggs Park, Maryland. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I grew up out there as well. You know, my mother used to live behind a TikTok liquor in the apartments out there off of Riggs, you know, Riggs Road. You know, I, I grew up in the, the Chillum area off of Michigan Avenue out northeast and shit. So when me and Dimes come together, we collectively have a, a, a click between the two of us called Riggs and Chillum. You know, he off of Riggs Road, I'm off of Chillum. And it just made sense. You know, Mr. Riggs and Chillum sounds like a, a 80s, like, cop duo or something like that. It really does, yo. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we hip-hop cops, you know what I mean? Lock it up, niggas, it ain't shit. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> that's what it is, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, you had this video, uh, I think it's Beta Vernacular. It's yeah, probably better, like my better, better vernacular. You know what I'm better saying? Yeah. Yo, that video is so dope, man. Love that video. But when oh, I was trying to do my homework on you, I noticed that uh, you had this deep love. You kind of talked about it a little bit earlier with the Five Daily Business Mob, but you had this deep passion for martial arts. So oh, yeah. where, 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 where does that all start with you, man? And uh, Do you practice Wing Chun or what, do you practice any oh, arts? Yeah, yeah. All right. So first and foremost, um, shout out to State of Mind Multimedia and Design for shooting that video. It was just he and I on that video. You know what I'm saying? Like, we ain't had no help or nothing. It was one camera that got everything done. You know what I'm saying? And I and think it's collectively... Visually really good, man. Yeah, man. I it. think, yeah. yeah, collectively, we did something real artsy with that shit to make something pop legitimately. And I thought that was dope. So, um, back to answer your question about me and martial arts. So, this goes back to VCU when I was down in Richmond. Um, I'm walking through the comments one day and I, I see this box, and the box says, uh, you know, sign up for a free Kung Fu lesson. Now, I've always been a Bruce Lee fan, you know what I'm saying, since I was, like, real young. You know, I remember my uncle, you know, watching, uh, you know, Bruce Lee movies with me. I remember him um, taking me to see Karate Kid Part 2 in Fair Oaks Mall, back when Fair Oaks Mall used to have a movie theater and shit. Like, like I remember all that shit. So, Marshall's always been real, you know, strong with me, but they never let me take any classes growing up. For whatever reason. <laughs> but now, you know, I'm like 18 years old or whatever, and I'm in the commons. I walk past this box, and I see, you know, sign up for a free Kung Fu lesson. So, and this is back in um, 98, 
1998. So I sign it. I drop it in the slot. I get a call like later on that evening. And they're like, hey, you know, is this is this Wilson? And I'm like, yeah, this is he. He was like, hey, I see that you signed up for a free Kung Fu lesson at the, the Moya Wing Chun Kung Fu Academy. And I'm like, yeah. He was like, well, do you want to learn? I was like, yeah, I want to learn. He was like, why don't you come down for a class, man? You come down right now. And uh, <laughs> I go down there and um, I meet somebody that I never forget that had a strong impression on my life that completely set me in a different direction. And that's uh, Andre Kanye's. You know, Andre Moisum Tung Kanye's. That's my seafood. You know what I'm saying? Um, he passed earlier this year. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah. You know what I mean? Appreciate that. Yeah. But we keeping uh, his legacy strong. You know, Moi Ya Wing Chun Kung Fu. Moi Sum Tung, you know, son of Moi Tung. And I am the, the son of Moi Sum Tung, Tung Um Sum. I started training with Moi Sum Tung back in 98. And um, he is the most... Now, you know, by far, that wasn't the only martial art that, I, that I've studied, you know, formally. But I will say this about Moi Sum Tung. He is the most generous in giving Sifu that I've ever had the pleasure of training under and learning from. Do never held back any of the Kung Fu for any political reasons. You know, he just wanted it to live. He, he understood the fact that in order for it to live, he had to give it as opposed to holding on to it. A lot of people want to hold on to it so they can keep it, so they can have control over it. But it dies out with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you actually take the time to give it up, you know, pass it out, it'll grow and it'll live. You know, so uh, to answer your question about when I started and what's my affiliation with, you know, martial arts, I'm a Wing Chun martial artist, chief instructor. I do have my Chinese name, you know, Tang Um Sung, and Ng is five in Cantonese. You know what I mean? I, I, I was a fifth student. I didn't know at the time, but, you know, I was one of, his, I'm one of his top five students, you know what I'm saying? And he has a big flock, you know, it's a lot of people who, you know, owe a lot of gratitude and thanks to Moy Sum Tung, because he gave y'all what y'all was trying to get and couldn't get nowhere else, you know. Mm -hmm. And anybody want to debate me about that, come see me, y'all know where I'm at, and it is what it is, you know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> <laughs> What's up, bro? Yeah, man. Um, so for people watching, man, um, I always send the questions to my to my people I'm interviewing before I before I ask the questions. And one right, of right, questions, my that. boy, well, Lord, man, I almost almost got caught up, man. <laughs> that one question with you on the on the vegan <laughs> tip. Yeah, yo, shout out to my man, uh, my man Richard, man. You know, from Drugs of Faith, he's like a metal grunge band. He reached out to okay. me about the interview, and he's always been a fan of my music. I've always been a fan of his. You know, right. and, um, we used to work together in, in, in Leesburg for the Loudon Times Mirror. We worked together in the art department for, for the newspaper. You know, we both write for designers. And, you know, he, you know, I had my hip-hop thing. He had his metal thing. But he was real with his. Okay. I'm real with mine. We had appreciation and respect for one another. He would give me his music. I would give him his. And we both critique each other. And he's, and he's a journalist as well. And he's, he's always been, like, a vegan. You know what I'm saying? On that yeah, yeah. vegetarian tip. And I have no problem with it. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's 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 dope. I'm trying to get there, but I haven't made it there yet. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, I'll you know, I, I be finessing, you know, 
I'll be finessing these meats, pardon. You know what I'm saying? To where, you know, I can't, you know, I ain't giving it up yet. Yeah, I finally got my handles right when it comes to smoking and grilling, you know, this food. So I've been transitioned completely over. But, um, you know, he, you know, he, he reached out to me and wanted to do an interview about hip hop and veganism. And I was like, bro, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a vegan. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I like, you know, I'm not a vegan. So, you know, why you, why you want to interview me? He was like, look, bro, you know, just, just give us a couple words about your insight on veganism and hip hop. So I tried to contribute as much as I could, you know, just to help that out. At the end of the day, you know, I do, but don't get me wrong. You know, I fast for meat at least once a week. You know what I mean? Mm. Try to, you know. And I only eat meat at least once a day. I don't eat it for every meal and stuff like that. So, I'm, you know, I'm getting there, but, I, you know, I'm not there yet. And, gotcha. um, you know, I think what you were trying to ask is, like, you know, what is, you know, what's the deal with, with hip-hop and veganism and this, that, and the third? Like, for me, you know, hip-hop to me has always been something that, like, my hip-hop, hip-hop to me has always been something that wanted to motivate me to do better for myself. You know, the hip hop that I've always been in tune with, that I've always looked up to, always encouraged me to elevate. So I always felt that, um, you know, your diet is a big part of that. The diet, how you conduct yourself, you know, how you eat, how you live, you know, that should be reflective in your hip hop. And um, I always try to eat healthy, you know what I'm saying? Even though, you know, I'm not saying that meat is unhealthy. That's just, you know, what I do, whatever. But... Right it did encourage me to try to, you know, fall back from the pork and stuff like that. And, you know, I have, you know, uh, spiritual dietary laws that I, you know, I, I hold and I keep that I don't try to turn away from that kind of, you know, is implementing that too. You know what I mean? When you come into the, when you come into a, you know, knowledge yourself and really understanding the God in you and you start seeing things, what they actually are, there's certain things that you start to pull back from. You know what I mean? And, you know, and, and my diet was something that I really wanted to focus on. You know, I, I was talking with my uncle maybe about a year or two ago asking about my grandfather's mother. He was educating me, telling me that, you know, she was real big on, uh, and they're from the Carolinas. You know what I'm saying? Like South Carolina, North Carolina. You know, these are Carolina indigenous natives, you know, because Native American doesn't really make sense to me because that's not what they call themselves. So for lack of a better description, I'm referred to the Native Americans as indigenous natives. So these were indigenous natives from the Carolinas. And, you know, he was telling me that she was real big on what they call roots. Now, growing up, I understood roots as like uh, like voodoo or something like that. Now, they working in roots on them. And that's more or less kind of, you know, what it meant collectively within the culture. But when you actually do the knowledge and see what that meant, because he was telling me that, uh, you know, she would always take, like, actual roots, like whether it be ginger, horseradish, garlics, vinegars, cinnamons, and she would make these tonics. And, she, you know, he would tell me that people would always come to the house and they would pick up these mason jars of, you know, these tonics. He, you know, as a kid, he didn't understand what that meant. You know, he thought it was just something weird. But then when I, you know, I'm doing knowledge on culture and, you know what I mean, uh, history and information about indigenous peoples, I'm like, okay, she was like a shaman, so to speak, you know, a medicine woman. She was somebody that people came to that were trying, they might have been dealing with some type of ailment and they're trying to get better. So they would come to my great, yes, my, yeah, my great grandmother. 
Oh, excuse me. That's my great great grandmother. They would come okay. to her to pick up something that you know they needed to help fill whatever it was they was dealing with. And I thought that was you know I thought that was deep because I found myself you know dealing with garlic and ginger and turmeric and cinnamons and apple cider vinegar, making up my own tonics, just trying to you know be on point, stay healthy. And then having this conversation with my uncle, not realizing that that was an aspect of the ancestors that was within me that I was ignorant to. But, you know, the soul and the spirit brought it to life. And, you know, when he told me that, I was like, you know, that, that was deep. You know what I'm saying? Like, I thought, you know, that was a special thing. And, and I always tied all back to hip-hop because hip-hop has always encouraged me to be better than what I previously was. You know, to live better, to eat better to write better, to spit better, to carry myself better, you know, to raise my kids better, the whole nine, man. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think how we flipped that question, and I appreciate you touching on that, but the real question was uh, hip-hop and Israelites' beliefs that, that you believe in, right? Is that, is that what you follow? Yeah, yeah I follow how, yeah. How that. So how, do, how does that, um, when, when, when does that all start for you, and how, how does that influence your music um, to this day? Well, if you actually listen to like a lot of my bars, like a lot of my bars are scripture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I got a lot of verses where I actually pull from the Torah or the Tanakh, or you know I might be pulling from you know the Metaneta, you know ancient Kemet. I might be pulling mm. from some Sumerian scrolls. I might be pulling from some Kabbalah, PD Cherokee scrolls. You know, you know, ain't no telling. But you know the the majority of my bars. And that's just so I can get people to really understand it, because a lot of us who grew up in a, in America, you know, grew up with the Bible. So a lot of my the verses that I do spit are scriptural verses. And if you know, if you know, if you know your scrolls like talking about, you'll be able to hear it. You know what I'm saying? Like I had a line where I was like, you know, open rebuke is better than secret love. So I'ma chastise you instead of give you a hug before I give you a hug. And then you know, that's that's like straight from Proverbs, you know, open rebuke. It's better than secret love, meaning that, you know, I love you enough to to call you out for your foul. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I got respect and love for you and I see you doing wrong, I'm going to tell you about yourself. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to mm -hmm. let you know, like, hey, you know, you're not on your deem right now. You're not on point. Because open rebuke, I'm rebuking the bullshit that you're doing. Open rebuke is better than secret love. You know, people love you in silence. You know, I had a line where I was like, it's like they hate you out loud but love you in silence. Aggressive, peaceful, passive, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they, they and people will. They'll hate you out loud, but they'll turn around and love you in silence. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, you know, that part I don't get. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if you got some love for the brother, get a brother some love. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, don't, you know, don't hate me all out loud because you quick to critique some things that, you you know, you see that you feel aren't on point. But when it comes to giving that love, you want to be stingy with it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I don't, you know, I give everybody love. Loving is my middle name. <laughs> you know what I mean? I it really it. is, man. It really yeah, is. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? Real life. I give everybody love, man. You know, I ain't about the petty shit. I ain't really about that bullshit. I'm, you know, I'm about building. You know what I mean? Let's build. Let's grow. Let's represent ourselves, man. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Um, you you touched on this a little bit earlier when we were talking about the bad human. Right. You are you're a sick artist, bro. Like. I appreciate you saying this, fam. You, you are such a good illustrator and a painter, man. Like you, you've always been in, in the art, in the art, in, in, the, in the art game. Yeah, I've always, like, I've always, I've, I, I can't remember a time where I didn't draw. 
And it was always kind of, you know, second nature, even with that. You know, I still got, I think one of the pictures I sent you, I had a, a picture in the background, but I was on a take cassette mm-hmm. back in the mm-hmm. jungle. It was like one of the pieces. And I remember, and that was probably like fifth grade, when even when that, I mean, not fifth grade, but I was five years old in kindergarten. And I remember like that picture was kind of a, a big deal for whatever reason. I didn't think nothing of it. I was just trying to draw a picture. I remember even when I was young, even like drawing stick figures, the eyes will always be detailed, like Egyptian hieroglyphs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. You know, it's just something that kind of stuck with me. And I always drew, but I really didn't take drawing seriously to probably about fifth grade or something like that. When um, I had a crush on my fifth grade teacher, Miss Babinshak. She was fine, man. Like, she was <laughs> 23 or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah, Miss Babinshak okay. was, was the truth, man. Like, I spent a couple years looking for her on Facebook, gang. Like, I was like, yo, this Bishop, where you at? You know what I'm saying? Found her too, gang. Like, yeah, I I I ain't even well, gang. But you know, in school, like, I never really cared about academics, like talking about, so I never really tuned in. But um, so I would doodle, you know what I mean, just to, in the past time, and knowing what was going on in class, and I was just just what kind of doodle or whatever. And she had walked by one day, and she was like, you know. Like, you're good. Like, you can actually you know, you draw. You know, you can actually draw. Like, you're nice at this. And the fact that um, she gave me that little bit of attention or that little bit of light, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this then. You know, I'm going to go ahead and draw. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go ahead and start drawing this shit. You know? And from fifth grade, I just kind of, that was kind of my niche, just to go ahead and, you know, that was something that I could do that other people could recognize and say, okay, this is something that he does. You know, because I can do anything in the world, but if someone else doesn't recognize it for what it is, it doesn't really mean shit outside of me. So yeah. that was something that I could do that other people could relate to. They'd be like, okay, that's something that he's good at. You know what I'm saying? Was the, was the drawing or whatever. And then um, I said, so, you know, when I when it came time, like in high school to take electives, you know, I'm picking art. You know what I'm saying? I remember even in, in, a, in eighth grade, I was failing geometry. And it was February, which is, you know, obviously it's Black History Month. And um, my geometry teacher was like, look, I want to try to give you a chance. And if um, you can do some portraits for me for Black History Month, whoever you want to do, I'll give you some credits so you can at least pass this quarter. So I was like, all right, cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, it gives me time out of class and I can do something that I actually enjoy doing. I did all these like these large portraits. I did one, the one of Frederick Douglass. I did Harriet Tubman. I did uh, Martin Luther King. Damn, so long ago. Some, some I can't remember. But the standout for me is that I did a portrait of Nefertiti. And I thought that was significant and big for back then. Because back then I'm like, well, like 11 or 12 or something like that. 12, 13 or something. And I'm doing mm-hmm. a portrait of Queen, you know, Nefertiti for an American Black History Month. This is where, you know, this where my psyche was at at the time. You know what I'm saying? This before any, you know, knowledge itself. I mean, I grew up on X-Clan. I grew up on Public Enemy. You know, Big Daddy Kane, you know, Rakim, you know, all that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they P.E. I mean, so, you know, they kept us hip. And that was like, you know, the foundation that encouraged us to go ahead and search for more. But nobody ever, you know, told us to include that in there. And um, I ended up passing that quarter. You know, I still ended up going to summer school that summer because <laughs> I failed eighth grade or whatever. But, uh, you know, I ended up passing that quarter, man. So, you know, 
I've always, you know, been real deep into the arts. I got into graphic arts in high school because we had a, a speaker that came to speak at the school, and he was a brother. And, um, you know, we were all at the age we were smelling our own piss, you know what I'm saying? So we really tried to hear nothing from anybody else. But since he was a brother, we were actually kind of tuned into what he had to say. And he was, you know, he was looking at our artwork or looking at my artwork. He was like, you know, you can actually take this, what you drew, scan it, put it on the computer, and you can get a job making like sixty, you know, eighty thousand dollars for that. And I was like, for real? Just for drawing some a sketch like this and putting it on the computer? He's like, Yeah, bro, you can make it happen. So that's when I segued into the, the Photoshop world. You know what I'm saying? And started getting on my theme with the graphic arts. Always had the background with the, the pen, the brush, chalk oil pastels, you know, all that shit. Even, you know, a little bit of sculpture here and there. But um you know, Photoshop, the Photoshop world is kind of what I, you know, I kind of fell back on making out between Photoshop, you know, Adobe, the Adobe world, between Adobe and Illustrator. <laughs> What's up, scene? <laughs> he said, yo, don't forget the scene critiques. Still sharpening, still, bro. <laughs> yo, I love brother scene, man, because whenever I see scene, bro, because, you know, he's an artist and I'm an artist, right? So as an artist, you're not really trying to hear shit from what anybody else got to say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because you don't know. You don't know what I'm yeah. trying to do. You don't know what I what it was I was trying to accomplish. Like you're not hip for real. Oh, you know what you see whenever you look at a portrait, whenever you look at any art, you don't see what the artist was doing. You see a reflection of yourself. Whenever you look mm -hmm. at anybody's art, you're not you never seen what the artist is doing. All you see is an image of yourself. A lot of people don't realize that. So whenever I see seeing like when they come out to the beacon conductor events, he's always painting something on the spot. So he might be painting a portrait of like like most death of somebody, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, who you, who's that to paint a, a dress and black sheet? <laughs> they don't like break down. <laughs> it just buzzed out laughing because he knows all I'm coming from with this shit. I'm just, you know, fuck with him and shit because it should be flawless. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The fact that this shit is flawless, I got to fuck with him, nigga. Like, yeah, shit ain't, you know what I'm saying? Because, like he said, still sharp and still, right? So that'd be the critique that we be on point because he might not say, but I know he go back and he's like, you know, let me get this shit, shit right. You know what I'm saying? So better ain't got shit to say. <laughs> I'm always find something to say, Shane, because <laughs> I love you, bro. <laughs> you, because you laugh, man. you know what I'm saying? That's why I keep that shit going, bro. That's, you know, that's that real shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, so what what lies in the future for you, man? What, any uh, projects you got working on right now at the moment? Hell yeah, man. I just came from a session with YU, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, you know, one of the U Street All-Stars, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was telling why YU... And uh, Spaceman Spliff, you know, Spliff, he invited me over. One love scene. Spliff, you know, he invited me over there, you know what I'm saying, to get some work done. You know, we've been working with uh with New Jeru's. You know, we got some projects that we're working on together. I've done a couple records with New Jeru's that made uh, a couple of his previous albums. You know, everything I do with New Jeru's, be right on the spot. I go through, he'll make a beat right there. There's something about his pocket. I just catch the groove, and I start writing right there. And then, you know, I knock my shit out. A lot of times I leave before, you know, before anybody else even finish they, you know, what they got going on because, you know, I just be having shit to do. I'm a family man, bro. So I always got to yep. be fun with. And same with today. You know what I'm saying? I was, I, I showed up at YU's a little bit after four o'clock. And then um, I got a hook. I wrote a hook and a verse there. Got it recorded and done. And I got back to you to, you know, to be able to log on by eight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So definitely got some shit coming. You know, we just dropped, um, we just dropped the vaccine. Yeah. That's not a bad human art house. 
That's a seven track project. That's pretty dope. It's you hard. Know, I did all the yeah. You, you, you yeah, mess with I it? Just, I love it, man. This sounds really good, bro. I, I was going to on my lunch break. Yeah. Word up. And see, what people don't get is like with the vaccine is like a compilation of all the individual projects we have coming out of Bad Human Art House. So we got Rob Brand Volume 2. You know, we got Dimensions album that's coming out. Uh, we got Theories Beat album that's coming out. We got Beneficial's album's coming out. Meridian, which is the group that's inside of uh, 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 inside of Bad Human House. We got a project coming out. Um, though Yeek the Grizzly Bear, he has a solo project coming out. And also, you know, my solo project will be coming out this year for the, you know, the, the, the winter solstice, you know what I'm saying? And that'll be Soul Searching. You know, I'll be dropping that this year. Definitely Got for that. Some man. significant producers on there. You know, Theory obviously is on there. I got a hand solo, my man Switch. You know what I'm saying? He made substance abuse. You know, he definitely will be on the project. Like uh beneficial, he got some joints on there. Like, yeah, that's you know, soul searching is gonna be dope because um, you know, the album is kind of self-explanatory. And I got songs that I've been just recording over the years, just trying to get to the light. And it's soul searching, not S O U L, but S O L. Soul searching as in the sun. You know, mm. searching for, you know what I'm saying? So I'm out here soul searching, and um, this is an album about, you know, that journey. You know what I mean? So it's going to be some drums that was recorded a couple, you know, a little while ago. It's going to be some drums on there that was recorded recently, because, you know, I'm still trying to get to the light, bro. You know what I'm saying? As well oh, as yeah, bear, I'm still trying to get to a brighter source. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So oh, this is happen, bro. You know, I've been sipping a little bit, man. You know, what I mean, I really you don't good, drink. Bro, but, nah, man, you killing you know, it right now, man. <laughs> I decided to have, you know, have a couple sips. You know, what I'm saying, just just gotcha, like, you go ahead, you. loosen up, loosen up the, <laughs> the, the vocab a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, this is where you really get to uh, say what's in your mind, man. This is part of the interview where uh, where I give you the platform, man. Anything you want to say to everybody? Any words you want to get out to to all of us? This this is your your moment right here. Look, man, just, you know, I will say this, bro. You know, at the end of the day, I'm about love, man. I'm not really about, you know, the petty shit. I ain't really about none of that Bama shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, just, you know, all that sucker shit, you can miss me with all that, man. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you got God and you got the devil inside of you. You're alive. At the end of the day, your actions and how you conduct yourself will dictate which one you are. Either you a god or you a devil. You can't be both at the same time. You can be one or the other. At the end of every day, look over your day and come to the conclusion and decide what you were that day. Were you a god that day or were you a devil? Were you positive or were you negative? Were you constructive or were you contrary? And, um, and check yourself. You know what I'm saying? You know, because I do that shit every day for myself, bro. Every day I see what I did for the day. And I see how I conducted myself. And every morning I wake up asking for forgiveness for the transgressions that I did the day prior. And I just try to keep it straight, bro. You know what I'm saying? Um, when it comes to this hip-hop shit, be original. You know what I'm saying? Like, we in an era right now where everybody wants to ride the wave. It's cool to connect with it, but don't be about it. You know what I'm saying? Either you're going to ride the wave or you're going to make waves. You know, I'm with Soul Baby Promotions. You know what I'm saying? And, and Soul Baby has is, is been legit from day one. And soul baby promotion, soul baby promotions, we trendsetters. We're not followed. We set trends. If you check the calendar, you know, you look back to 2000. You know, I was watching a uh, Count Fifth's joint, and Count Fifth brought up Shy Earth. And uh, we all were the same group. You know, we were mm -hmm. part of a group called The Staff. 
You know what I'm saying? It was Shire, it was Count Fifth, it was myself, it was Red Mud, it was, you know, uh, Kid Koof, rest in peace. You know what I'm saying? It was AU, a.k.a. Sean T, Eric Kenny, you know what I'm saying? El Papio. And collectively, we were the staff. And I bring it up to say this, you know what I'm saying? Like, you remember the Shot Club in Centerville? I do. Yep. We were the first ones to bring hip-hop to that venue back in 2000. You remember back in the day, if you wanted to hang out, you know, around that area, like it wasn't, um, you couldn't hear hip-hop anywhere. It was always a Euro trance, a techno. If you wanted to go to a bar somewhere in Northern Virginia, that's all you want to hear. You weren't going to hear any hip-hop during these times. We had connected with the management at that time. It was like, look, we want to we wanna bring an event to your venue. You know, I know on Sundays, y'all don't do no business. Give us the business. Let us take the door. You take the bar. If the bar don't make this particular amount, you know, we'll pay the difference. What we want to bring is an element of comedy. We had comedians on deck. We had a DJ on deck. It was DJ Olo. Shanti was doing the comedy. Olo was DJing. The staff was, you know, was, was the artist that performed. And, you know, we had people there. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody was doing that at the time. They didn't have, like, the comedy, live performances, uh, uh, you know, a, a DJ and a party all at the same time with, with a, you know, with a full bar, uh, with hip-hop music during that time. And, you know, and we did that. You know what I'm saying? Like, we made that happen. So many promotions. But we had other folks, you know, other artists that came through and performed. You know, shit went sour down the road. But, you know, it was legit in the beginning. And it, at the end of the day, it was genuine. You know, can't nobody, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I've always been a person who has been big on integrity, above all. You know, maybe that's why I've never jumped out there and signed contracts with whomever or i never blown up because I never wanted to give up my heart to obtain something that I can't take with me. You know, the money, the clothes, the house, none of that shit, you can't take with you when you're gone. You know what I mean? But I, I personally feel, feel that the memories, your integrity, and your soul is something that you can take with you. You know what I'm saying? So I always try to keep that intact just to maintain a level of balance so I can sit satisfied within my heaven. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at, man. You know, you get to be a god or be a devil. You know what I mean? Check yourself to figure out which one that you are. And at the end of the day, you know, make a, decision, a righteous decision based on what it is that you is. <laughs> well, we can definitely all learn from that, man. I like that. Yeah. I like that for sure. Yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Beta, man, it was an honor to have you on tonight, man. Um, Respect, bro. Thank you, you for having me, man. Some, you definitely dropped some knowledge tonight, things I, things I can take in, too. So I appreciate you doing that, man. Um, I hope everybody enjoys this episode, too, man. We definitely got to build um, once all this COVID stuff is over, man. Oh, for sure, man. Just hit me up, bro. You know, anybody know, you know, you hit me up, I come through, bro. You know what I'm saying? Definitely, man. At the end of the day, uh, man, you know, I had to drop some gems on hidden gems, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you definitely yeah, yeah. did, man. You definitely did, man. Word. Thanks Most for having me out, too, bro. I appreciate you, man. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate you taking the time to even, uh, you know, just have enough respect, love, and be humble enough to even ask me to come through. A lot of people, you know, they want to do shit with you, but they ain't humble enough to ask. And I appreciate you for having the heart. You know, to be, you know, to, just to be able to reach out, man. That shit means a lot to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, because, yeah. you know, motherfuckers stay faking constantly. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, it, it's people like you that stand out that I'm like, okay. You know, that, that that's a real one right there. You know what I'm saying? So I hold you in high regards, bro. You know what I mean? Cheers, bro. Cheers, man. For sure. Yeah, cheers. Salute. <laughs> salute. Yeah. Salute. Much love. Thanks, everybody, right, for tonight, family. man. Peace. Hotel. Shalom. It's a Yes, sir.